Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Losanti. This week on Personally Speaking, my guest is Martha McCallum, an anchor at Fox News with a great story to tell. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Losanti. And Martha McCallum joins me now. Martha is the anchor of Fox News' The Story with Martha McCallum. She joined the network in 2004, and throughout her tenure with the network, Martha has played a role in every major political event. Martha earned a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from St. Lawrence University. Her career began in 1991 as a producer at Wall Street Journal Television. She then moved to NBC and CNBC, where she was a reporter for the News with Brian Williams, The Today Show, and CNBC World. Martha has covered every major news story of the last 20 years, including four presidential elections, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, two popes, and the royal wedding. She has interviewed numerous political leaders and newsmakers, including President Trump, Attorney General William Barr, and Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, among others. Martha has been married since 1992 to Daniel Gregory, and together they have three children, Elizabeth Reed and Harry. Martha's here with us today to tell us about her life, her career, her family, and the faith and values that sustain her. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Martha McCallum. Martha, th- thanks, thanks for coming on the show, and, and uh, let me get right to the, some of the questions I have. Um, I, I'm a big believer in family of origin, and uh, I know for me, my, my dad, who's in heaven, and my mom, who's with me here, are uh, very instrumental in who I became. When we look back on your life, Elizabeth and Douglas, your mom and dad, what was their impact on you and what did they do right in raising you? Oh, well, I have my dad is still with us and my mom passed about seven years ago. She died of breast cancer. Oh boy! And, you know, I always say that my mom just led by example. Just she taught us by the way she lived her life. She wasn't big on, you know, sort of pronouncements and discussions about values and the right way to live. She just showed us with her actions. She was always a good daughter. She was a good neighbor. She was a good friend. Um, and she just, you know, when someone was in need, she just made sure that she did what she could to help. And so I think that was really her, her great lesson. She also had a fantastic attitude about life. She was very positive person, even when she, you know, even when she was sick and had reasons to sort of be negative, she always kept a really positive outlook on life. And, um, you know, she was a person of strong faith. She was not particularly, um, you know, she didn't talk about it a lot, but we were always, you know, my mother was um, Catholic and raised us all going to church. My dad was Protestant when we were younger and I'm the youngest of three, of three girls And when I was 12, my dad decided to convert to Catholicism, which I always really admired because it was not something he did just because they were getting married way back when or because anybody, you know, wanted him to. It was really a very personal choice for him. 
Yeah. And we all were present when he made his, you know, first communion and his, uh, his baptism and his first communion sort of all over the course of several days with a good friend of ours who was a priest. And so that was always really special to me. Um, mm. But, you know, there, they were just, you know, we had a very, we have a very close family and mm-hmm. um, they just kept us grounded. You know, they kept right. us grounded. Martha, um, I uh, my my mom is a uh, hundred and she lives with me now. But I That's mentioned that amazing. because when when she got breast cancer herself thirty years ago, mm. uh, e- even though I'm in the priest business, I have to tell you that my first response, in prayer at least, was kind of anger. Like she's this sweet, wonderful, good, kind lady, and why does something like this have to happen to her? When when your mom got sick, did you go through any period of uh, wrestling with God over this stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was a scary moment and, um, we didn't know, you know, sort of what was going to come next. We were all kind of new at dealing with it. I think every family goes through an experience with, with cancer and someone that they love who's dealing with it. And we were all kind of navigating what the doctors were saying and what needed to happen. But, um, you know, my mom was, very like she wouldn't talk about it unless you brought it up with her and she was always you know she would just ask us you know what's going on with you how are the kids what's going on you know it was never she didn't kind of indulge in it at all really Mm. Um, my dad was sort of the more like quiet worried one about the whole thing and I think that sometimes it is harder for the spouse um while she was kind of going through treatments and managing it, I think that, you know, it's harder for the person who doesn't have it sometimes. And so all of that was, yes, it was difficult. And I, I, but I also remember how, when it, she went into remission, she was really, you know, healthy for so many years after her diagnosis. So that was a great lesson for all of us because she was so, you know, she just had this great new appreciation for life and how beautiful everything was and the, flowers and the beach and all of it you know she just was so happy to be healthy and to be alive that that was an amazing lesson for all of us and you know I think you know the hardest part were were the final months to be sure um when it you know became evident that there wasn't anything that could be done anymore that was devastating and I think that was the part that really was the biggest struggle for all of us. And I just felt robbed. I felt like she was Mm. taken from us too soon. And there were so many things I wanted her to see my kids graduate from high school and then from college and all the things that I know she would have such an enormous joy in Mm -hmm. um, because she just, you know, loved them all so much. And my kids were the youngest of the group. So Mm. I just, I felt ripped off, you know, I felt and that made me mad. It still does. Honestly, I still think, Oh my gosh, you know, why isn't she still here? Because she just was such a bright light for all of us. So yeah, That's it's tough, really tough. Very real of you to say that I, I'm, I, I've wrestled myself often enough with God. Like there are lots of bad people you can take. Could you leave some of the good ones, please? You know, yeah. um, let, let me ask you, you know, uh, one of the things we do lots of here, Martha, is uh, as we do in most Catholic churches, lots of weddings. And uh, every weekend before I do a wedding, I usually ask the couple, because I don't want to give a homily based on just a, uh, you know, my, my point of view, I want to know something, what they feel about each other and why they're willing to take that enormous risk of saying yes to someone in marriage. In 1992, you took that leap of faith 
you married the dear Daniel. If you had to write that essay that I asked my couples to write, what did you see in him? Why did you want to marry this man? Why was he the one for you? Um, you know what? I honestly, like when, when we met, I just had this feeling that I had met my person. It was like, I already kind of felt like I knew him. So then we started like digging in and learning about each other's lives and where we came from and there are families and everything. But I, I had this very overwhelming kind of sense of like calm and love for him almost right away. I mean, we really like we met and we became serious really quickly. You know, we were in our mid twenties and mm -hmm. we were engaged in within a year and married six months later. So it was, um, it was a great time, you know, it was just such a joyous time and we were so excited, um, to start our lives together. But it's interesting that you talk about the leap of faith, because I remember talking to some friends of mine in my twenties who were like, Oh, you know, you know, especially guy friends who were like, Oh, you know, once you get married, like basically like it's all over, you know, and like no more, <laughs> no more fun and no more this and, you know, no more adventure. And I remember saying to a friend of mine, actually, this friend of mine was a woman who was nervous about getting married. She felt like, oh, it's, you know, the end of like this fun time in my life. And I remember saying to her, you know what, it's like the greatest, it's actually going to be the greatest adventure. It's going to be this, you know, opening this door to the rest of your life and it takes courage and faith to take that leap. But honestly, like, and I, and I felt that way. I felt that it was going to be the greatest adventure. And I think the happiest part of my life has, even though I had a lot of happiness before then was, mm -hmm. you know, was from that moment forward. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great leap of faith and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a commitment. It's a vow, you know, and that was what I talked about too. It's like, what a, what a courageous thing to take a vow to someone. Um, I, know, I know you have there. a busy life, but I'd love to have you guys talk at our pre-cana. Ah. Oh, that, yeah, that was fun. You, know? I mean, you guys we, have a lot know, to teach them, you know? With that too. Yeah, we have our, our notebooks full. I, I still bet. have them. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> let, let me ask you, there are lots of uh, parents, grandparents who watch or listen to a show like this. And the thing I hear them say all the time is, uh, I want what's best for my kids. I'm not quite sure how to communicate values that last to them. So whether it's uh, Reed or Harry or Elizabeth, your three kids, have you and your husband figured out, is there a, a better way to communicate to them what really matters and, and how to get them to embrace those values? So again, I would say that I would just bother, follow my mom's example, you know, which was just they having them, it, there's nothing stronger than the way you live your life. And we are definitely far from perfect. And, um, you know, we make mistakes, but you, you try to live a life of faith and commitment and love and, you know, taking them to church every Sunday has been our lives and, you know, not everyone wants to go. And we just sort of, you know, sometimes you just show up and it's not, um, it's, you're just there. And other times it's, one of those moments that is, you know, where you find solace and support. But, you know, I always just think about like, we, we do like the sign of faith and just the hugs that we give each other in that moment. It's like anybody's squabbling in the car is sort of left behind, you know, all this stuff is left behind. And um, it's one of those things in life that you're never sorry that you, that you went, you know what I mean? You're never sorry mm -hmm. that you showed up and you put that time in. Um, so that's, you know, one thing that is just a basic of our, family life that we've committed to. And we also sent all of them to Catholic schools from middle school on. 
And that's something that my husband and I didn't do that. We went to, we were raised in public schools. Um, but I think I'm just so glad that that's had a really positive impact on them. It's just been nice for them, especially the world, the way it is today to be surrounded by other people who kind of support their faith and who have made a similar commitment so that I hope that it, you know, it sinks in for them. And I hope that they, will always want to turn to that. Um, but we just felt strongly that at least giving them that was going to, it would be sort of one of the, one of the strongest things that we could do to, yeah. to give them that gift that hopefully would stay with them for the rest of their lives. It's, you know, uh, it, yeah. it's tough. You know, there's so many people who don't even do that, you know, don't go, don't go to mass, you know? So, um, it's not, it's not the whole picture, obviously, but it's just that physical being of, you know, that commitment of getting yourself there and listening mm-hmm. that is, you know, I think something that's foundational for them. And I hope, I hope that they will always have that in their lives. I know their lives will be a lot easier if they do. Martha McCallum's our guest. Martha, we had uh, Victoria Clark, the wonderful actress on, and I asked her, she has one son, Tommy. I asked her, when he goes out of the apartment door to go into the world, do you worry about him? And she said, I worry about him all the time, every day, because the world is a dangerous place. When you have three beautiful kids, do you spend much time being concerned about their safety, their well-being uh, in a sometimes challenging world? Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that comes with being a parent. Um, mm. You worry about them pretty much all the time. <laughs> and you worry about them, you know making good choices you worry about you know that um, yeah i think it's in this world too like a mistake is such a big deal you know i think we've like we've created this environment where we don't let kids you know kind of fail enough and yeah. um there's just you know a cancel culture and all of it it's like it, it's hard growing up today with social media and all of it i mean i'm so happy that i didn't have to go through it and it i yeah. really i wish that um my kids didn't have to either because it just, it really has just been a complicating factor that I think is very emotionally hard for kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every, everyone looks like they're having like the time of their life on Instagram every single day. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just not real life. It's no, not it's real not. life. And um, I think it just puts a lot of pressure on kids. So I, yes, I absolutely worry about them. And um, I guess because of, the technology we have, I'm always texting them and checking in like, Hey, did you get there safely and all that stuff? But, um, you know, I try to have mm-hmm. faith and, um, and, uh, let them, let them go, you know, and let them grow and let them get out in the world. And, um, cause I think that's so important, you know, I want them to have a sense of adventure and wanting to live their lives. So I try, I try not to overwhelm them with me being worried. One of the things I want to ask you about, and I guess it's something they would be sensitive to because kids are so sensitive of, uh, of the way they look and the way they come across. Um, my question would be, and I don't know what your kids look like, but we know what you look like. When you have, when you have a, a gift of physical beauty, which you do, how in a world of serious stuff like journalism, how have you managed, Martha, to make people see beyond the exterior and the, the look to respect the brain and the person in you? So I think it's by doing serious work and Mm -hmm. by doing your homework and by committing to your profession in a way that is, that has integrity 
and is, is serious. You know, I definitely work in a, in a, in a physical medium, a visual medium. Um, I always enjoy when I do radio because it's just kind of fun to, (laughs) to just put on the headsets and not think about any of that stuff. Right. Um, you know, with my kids, I think, um, I think that's always challenging. I think people always kind of, you know, wonder where you fit in on the scale of, you know, oh, this person is, looks like, you know, they have it so easy in terms of their appearance or their, everything just seems to come easy to them. But, you know, we're always kind of ranking ourselves against others, which I think is a dangerous thing to trap to fall into. Mm -hmm. But I would say that, um, you know, we always tried to, we've always treated them based on their substance and their inside beauty. Right. Um, I don't think as a family that we put that much of a focus on it. I hope we don't. Um, But, you know, they are, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm biased, but they're great looking kids. (laughs) Good for you, mom. (laughs) And I hope they're gracious and humble about it. (laughs) <laughs> well that you said you've you've taken them and yourself and your husband along to church for a long time so i want to ask you this as a person who is a a true communicator as you are uh when i meet with the engaged couples at pre-cana and i say do you go to church the majority of them are not going regularly and they'll say to me you know i go but i don't get anything anything out of it or the priest is boring or the priest has a foreign accent or whatever their complaint will be you go and you listen often enough in your life as a communicator yourself, what might we do better in church to make it something that makes your kids and other kids want to go? Well, I think, I think it's a great question. I I think I've heard all the same complaints that you talk about, you know, and um, we have to obviously encourage um, young men and women to vocations. Uh, We need people like you who are great communicators who connect with people Um, I think you have to make it accessible and I think you have to, you know, sermons have to be good. You know, you have, like I'm talking about every, you have to take it seriously and realize that you've got an audience there that you have a, you have an audience, you've got a a short period of time to get something across to and to focus that message and think about what it is for that day that you really want them to leave thinking about, you know? Um, But on the other hand, I think it's not, it's also about being a good listener as a parishioner, because I think there's always going to be something in there, even if you can't right, understand right. the priest very well. <laughs> um, I believe there's some kind of message coming your way. If you are a good listener, you're going to hear it. And I don't think people should put, I mean, it's not the onus cannot be completely on, you know, like the dazzling presentation of the priest, you know, it's, it's, there's more to it than that. You know, there's the gospel of the day. There's the reason that it falls on that part of the calendar. And so I think it takes two, you know, to make a good experience. Mm -hmm. I think it takes getting involved and being, you know, part of your parish and um, trying to make a difference, you know. So I think I think the avenue goes both ways. Martha, you know, as a person who loves the church, you do and I do. um, The other thing these young couples will say to me sometimes is they're so off put. Uh, so offended by the uh, uh, knowledge of the scandals over the past 20 or so years. And, and again, as a person who's an expert in so many ways as you are in, in communicating, accepting, I mean, I, 
I say to them, look, if you're embarrassed or annoyed by the scandals, imagine what it is to give your life to the church as I have and have to live with this too. I mean, it, it tars all of us, but do you have any sense of what the church needs to do to make sure that we can move past the damage, the terrible damage done by the betrayal of children and the cover-up? Well, it's heartbreaking, you know, and it's been devastating for all of us. Um, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to talk about, but it has mm -hmm. to be talked about. I think that the message that makes sense to me is that, you know, sadly human beings across all institutions are, are flawed. Yeah. Um, and that these kinds of abuses happen across a lot of different institutions. But I think that what the, I think for me, what the Catholic church has to, to offer is that, you know, it isn't about any, it's not about any of these individuals. It's about the larger Catholic union. And, you know, unlike some, you know, some places that might be a little bit more jazzy and a little bit more attractive to young people. It's not about really the individual who is, you know, who's standing there. If they are a great communicator, then that's terrific. Um, but it's about the bigger picture of why mm -hmm. we're all there. Um, and it's about Christ and it's about the Holy Trinity. And yeah. those are bigger than any of these, you know, failed individuals who wreaked havoc on, on the church. Yeah. So I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's a very, it's obviously a very deep wound. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't like it when someone's, says, well, that's why I left, you know, because yeah. I think you know, if anything, you know, the church has been through a lot over the centuries and you have to fight for it. You know, like Bishop Barron mm -hmm. says that, you know, you have to fight yeah. for it, um, fight for the faith, fight for the church. And so that's, that's where I, that's where I come down on it. And um, we have to fight to be better, you know? Right. I like Martha, your point a moment ago about the, uh not just sitting back and waiting to be entertained. One of our guests recently was Harry Connick Jr. And he said to his dad, no, I'm not going to mass that much because the priest isn't that interesting. And uh, his dad said, the priest isn't there to entertain you. You're supposed <laughs> to put, <laughs> he says, you're supposed to put yourself into the mass. What do you bring to the mass? What do you give to the mass? And uh, Harry yeah. said, so I, well chastised so by my dad. You bring that up because I listened to that podcast that you did with him. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, He's so wonderful. And he was, it was a great discussion that you guys had. Um, and I don't know him at all personally, but um, we both uh, go to the same town in the summer up in Cape Cod. And years ago, uh, I was sitting in the pew with, I think my daughter on one side of me and next to me, there was just this absolutely adorable little girl. And I just glanced over and then I was like, oh, that's Harry Connick Jr. Sitting next to it was him and his daughter and he was with his dad. He was with his father. Wow. Um, so that was just a, you know, fun, like celebrity, celebrity moment for me. But it was fun hearing him talk about it. He was great. In your, your adult years, Martha, you've experienced, as I have, a number of Holy Fathers. I'm, I'm wondering what you read on someone like Pope Francis. And I must tell you that so many of the guests we've had on the show, because I don't just have believers, I have people who call themselves agnostics or atheists, and uh, but mm -hmm. they all have a, a, a universal warmth toward this guy that uh, is intriguing to me, that he seems to be able to touch people who are not believers at all and some who are believers. What's your own read on Pope Francis so far? That's an interesting question. Um, 
You know, I, I think of him walking through the Vatican and holding that young man, um, you know, who was uh, who had, you know, physical problems. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a very warm, compassionate person. I remember covering um, the people process during that. And then what a shock it was when he walked out on the balcony. Right. Because nobody was really expecting um, him to be the person. There was so much speculation about what was going on in there. But I, I think he is a very loving, you know, sort of calm presence. And I think that he's, you know, spoken out on a number of issues that are sort of controversial in the church. I know that, you know, not not everyone agrees with him on everything in the church. There's always going to be sort of these conser conservative and liberal tug right, that right. in every part of, of life. But um, again, I always feel that there's a reason for each person's purpose at a given moment in time, you know, yeah, and I, I yeah. think that he has been um, an interesting and, and good leader to watch through the process. Um, you're, he was in New York. I, we, we brought my right. kids to go see him in New York, you know, when he was at uh, Madison Square Garden. It was a really hot summer day. We were wrapped <laughs> around in lines around blocks uh, waiting to get in. But, you know, it's just always really a, an amazing experience when you get to be in the same place with, with the Pope. Like and that, you're, so. you're right. Everybody has a different opinion. I, went, I was at Fox News when the, the last Pope was elected, Benedict. And just before the cameras went on, Neil Cavuto leaned into the room and he said, are you happy with the selection? And I said, no. And then the cameras went on. And I said, well, this is a great day for the church. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Martha McCallum's our guest. Martha, I'll end my, uh, my questioning for this program where I began. I'll go back to your mom. Um, do you believe she's in heaven? And uh, do you think you'll see her again? Yes. And yes. All right. <laughs> I do. Um, so I, I turn the question on you. How about you? Do you believe in heaven? I, I talk to uh, friends and family who are up there all the time. And uh, yes, I absolutely believe. I said at a funeral this past week that uh, if I didn't believe in life beyond this life, I'm not sure I would have stayed a priest, but I thoroughly believe it. And I, I yeah. wouldn't, I, I just think, uh, I believe in the promises of Jesus Christ. And when he says, uh, for I shall see you again, when I see you again, our hearts will be filled with a joy that no one can take from us. I believe the man, you know, mm -hmm. I believe him. Martha, That's thank it. you so much for being on. Thank and, you, Father uh, Jim. You are the Great best. Great to talk to you. Thank you for inviting Great. me. I love your podcast. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you'd like to make any comments or questions for me, just send them to personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. That's personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to past episodes by going on YouTube and punching in personally speaking with Monsignor Jim Santi. Don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally speaking is also available as a podcast on personally speaking podcast.buzzsprout.com or you can go to www.closeencountertv.com all one word closeencountertv.com i'm going to ask you as well to look on my parish website www.ollmp.org and you'll get recent shows as well as monsignor jim's weekly homily i hope you'll be personally speaking also on facebook at personally speaking with monsignor jim santi please share and let others know about personally speaking I want to thank all those people who support uh, our program and keep it on the air. In particular, I'd like to thank uh, Peggy and Pete D'Angelo. I also want to thank Anthony Capitola and his law offices for being a constant help and support to our program. 
I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.